Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. nine is in the books or we're heading into week time good grief like time is flying by texas and oklahoma almost fell into a trap bama staved off back-to-back losses to tennessee and losing a second game in tuscaloosa in the same year will cam risen be the the first 37 year old man in college football is he gonna redshirt that's the question of the week i mean he hasn't played in six games and so like he easily could take a medical red shirt with that bum knee uh, the revolving door at 24 keeps moving along, it, just like this college football season. There are some close calls in the top 25s, but thems are the breaks here in college football. Welcome back, Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable. Or if you prefer, you can call it Ring Knocker Radio, two Joes, two O's, and an NCO, whatever you choose to call it. I'm Rob, your host in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We got Dano Ikebesa calling out Coastal Connecticut and Trigger Joe coming from the home of the big house. So I watched some undefeated teams struggle early, man. Oklahoma and Texas – and Oregon all started slow. I'm not a Bama fan, but I'm sure that they're breathing a sigh of relief as uh, that second half performance actually helped uh, put the balls away for sure. But uh, what do we end up watching this weekend? Uh, Joe, you're up first. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The UFC being in Abu Dhabi kind of screwed up how many 12 o'clock games I could catch. I did, however, catch my Wolverines absolutely drag the Michigan State Spartans up and down the field like they owed them money. I was expecting a little more. Um, I watched Florida State finally wake up in the second half and come back against Duke after Duke gave them all they wanted for two quarters. And then I had enough gas in the tank to watch Washington get a 90-yard pick six in the waning minutes of the fourth quarter to put away an Arizona State team. Otherwise, they would have been beaten. So, that's nuts, man. <laughs> what a crazy week. Yeah. I really enjoyed this week of college football, notwithstanding the Army game. I mean, I watched JMU at Marshall Thursday night, enough to see that JMU was definitely the better team. Like, what a crime that they can't go to a bowl game. Like, that is, that is like a criminal investigation. Watch enough of the SMU at Temple game on Friday to make me feel bad for Temple fans. Um, Saturday, <clears throat> saw Air Force at Navy. I seriously do not understand the squid's decision to start a plebe at quarterback with senior Ty Lavatai on the bench. Like, it's not a coincidence that when they put in Lavatai in the fourth quarter, they put up more offense than in the rest of the game combined. Plus, they screwed me with the backdoor cover in the last minute of the game. Like, just, I hate Navy. I just, I hate them. I just can't help it. Yeah. Uh, Penn State at Ohio State was another weird-ass game. Boston College at Georgia Tech, BC, like might bo- might be the most improved team in all of college football this season. They're going to make a bowl game. Like, yeah, uh, make whatever jokes you want. They're going to make a bowl game. Yeah, Tennessee at Bama. I like you said. I really thought the Vols had it early, like for real. And uh, USF at UConn, of course, obviously. What a that's like a full extra face palm for the Huskies. Like they had it all the way until the last. 10 seconds of the game, like, how frustrating. Yeah, that's got to be terrible. And speaking of frustration, 
if you're frustrated trying to sell your farm animals, we have the sponsor for you. So moving on to the Buyer Barn Raid. So Buyer Barn is a sponsor here at As for Football. It was co-founded by Class of 97 graduate Dan Robinson. He ran a traditional farm co-op and option auction and realized that there was a better way to modernize farm sales and bring it into the 21st century. Dan and his co-founder, Dean, who had taken their experience in IT and management and developed the world's first farm-to-farm online auction and sales platform. Buyer Barn reduces animal health issues by minimizing animal and owner contact. Contact reduces animal fraud through a buyer-seller rating system, has a fully integrated auction platform with secure payments, convenience to buy and sell at your own time, and better market pricing because you get a wider audience. Buyer Barn is dedicated to help the small farmers in America and is providing a special discount to military veterans who want to assist them in the small family farm revolution. Go to buyerbarn.com, email them at infobuyer at buyerbarn.com, or just click the tab on the S for football website. Moving on to the Service Academy standings. Dano, you're up. Yeah, man. Army, four losses in a row. Started a plebe quarterback. Started four plebes on the offensive side of the ball. Like, I'm not sure what people thought was going to happen, but they got shut out at LSU. Um, LSU hung 63 on them. And you got to admire Jeff Munkin just putting young players out there to get reps against an SEC team on the road. Like, that was that took some balls. And then Air Force took on Navy at home. We talked about this a little bit. Game was way closer than I thought it was going to be personally. Uh, I don't know if it's an indicator of Army's chances in the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy Series. Like, I think Army's kind of all over the place right now, but we'll see. Air Force quarterback Zach Larrier threw one long touchdown of 94 yards. Other than that, they pretty much didn't do anything. Uh, they weren't remotely close to covering until they got a pick six right at the end of the game. Navy's defense held the Air Force to just 137 yards of total rushing, which is one of the lowest totals for rushing this whole season. I think that's probably their lowest total. Navy started freshman quarterback Braxton Woodson and then ended the game with Lavatai. As we said, he he threw two picks, which, okay, but they were down two scores. He looked a 1,000% better than Braxton Woodson did in the game, I'll tell you that much. And I don't know why Air Force doesn't throw more. Because at one point, Larrier was 3 of 3 for like 150 yards passing. Yeah. It's like it's working, right? This is a good run defense, but that secondary is not good. I just I don't understand that at all. But anyway, FCS Academies, Coast Guard had a bye week this week. The uh, Bears take on Norwich in a uh, – <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the Bears took on Norwich this week, got a huge win, 52-14. to 14. Uh, home Winning streak for the Coast Guard continues. Bears take on Maritime next week. That's a big game. Merchant Marine Academy uh, defeated uh, WPI this weekend, 40-28. to 28. They take on Springfield on the road next week, and uh, that's it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. And back to your point about the Air Force, you know, and we'll talk about it a little bit deeper because that's actually the topic of the day today is uh, strength of schedule. But when things are working, why would you deviate away from them? Like, I, I don't understand that. You've got a quarterback that has a decent arm at uh, at Air Force. Let the kid, you know, let the kid play. I think he was injured, though, so I think they just didn't want to put the extra stress on his body for throwing the ball or whatever it was because he had a bum knee and he was he – was, questionable at the beginning of the game so maybe that was the decision why they went to run the ball after they got the lead but uh you know for those of you guys that don't watch uh service academy football usually very 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 conservatively called offensive games and uh not surprising to see that air force did that but you know still frustrating talking about I, some things that are go ahead Dan. hey i just don't okay so my quarterback's got a bum knee so we're not going to let him throw it but we are going to run quarterback power like how does that work 
I have no idea. Uh, you know, only in the mind of, of Air Force coaches, man. Like, I don't even think that's a they're they're barely they're barely a service academy, let alone a college. But uh, we'll move on from there <laughs> and, and dive into this week's top ten. Joe, what do you got? Uh, Georgia had the week off, so they stay at number one. Uh, Michigan drubbed MSU forty nine to nothing, and I do have a strong case for them being the best team in the country this year. And I've not said that in the past two years. OSU beat a tough Penn State team, 20-12. They're at number three. Number four, you got uh, Florida State. They beat a solid Duke team, 38-20 to after a second-half push. Washington squeaked out a close game against Arizona State, 15-7. to Thanks a lot, Huskies. I had Arizona State plus seven and a half. Uh, Oklahoma, they won by eight. Oklahoma snuck by UCF, 31-29. They sit there at number six. Uh, Texas Almost got trapped at Houston, but won 31-24, so they're at 7. Uh, number 8, Oregon beat Washington State pretty handily, 38-24. Number 9 is Alabama, got a late start and a scare, but beat Tennessee, 34-20. And uh, Penn State slips down to number 10 after the tough loss to the Buckeyes. Yeah, so other action in the in the top 25. So we have uh, 39 total top 25 losses this season, and I think that number is still going to continue to grow. I think, like I said, a couple years ago, I think it was like 60 was like the high, and 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 we are well on pace to hit that number or greater. Um, you know, Penn State lost to Ohio State. That sucks, 20 to 12. But interesting note I saw in the graphic, and I went back and did some more research on it, the Ohio State Buckeyes defense is actually sneakily good this season. So they have not allowed more than 17 points in all seven contests that they played. So at first you're looking at it like, okay, is it just because the offense is on the field and they're just like trying to figure it out with the run game and their quarterback wasn't very good and all the the controversy early in the season. But quietly their defense is putting together a pretty decent year. And so like – I think honestly, for for both uh, Michigan and Ohio State, they're not going to be challenged until that game in November. I mean, let's being honest, looking at both of their schedules, they have a pretty pretty easy easy route to the uh, Big Ten championship in uh, in the horseshoe this season. Yeah, Penn State did not scare me at all, and uh, Ohio State defense is definitely for real. Yeah, like they're they're pretty stout. And and at first you thought it was just because the other offenses weren't producing, but like after seven straight games in a row, like that kind of indicates that they they're they're putting some some defense together. Duke lost to Florida State. Riley Riley Leonard did not start, which kind of stinks because that kid's good. But yeah, uh, that's real fortunate. Yeah, they go where he he takes them too. So yeah, the like uh, I think he would have been the difference in this game. You know, like if if they would have had that guy available. It may have been a little bit closer, and they might have even won. Like that's that's what my gut is saying. UNC got got upset by unranked University of Virginia, twenty-seven to thirty-one. I saw it was close, and I was like, "There's no way that they're going to win." And and <laughs> the, the Cavaliers pulled it off. So hat tip for them, man. That's, yeah, what a what a story that team's going through. And I don't really, I know we don't have time to get into it, but you know, if you're just to look that up, it's been quite a trial for the Cavs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting season for them as well. And and Tennessee, man, got shut out in the second half and Alabama basically ran away with it. It looked it looked competitive. It was a competitive first half of football. Like if if Tennessee was up by 14 points in the first quarter, it's you know, when that no huddle hurry up look works, it works like nobody's business. But when it yeah. fails, it fails so hard. So, yeah, for sure. I think I heard someone I think Dano yeah, and I was like, uh, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, and then and then of course, like here's here's the here's the real question. And again, this is another topic. We could talk about this a lot longer, but I'm just gonna hit the high points on it. You know, USC dropped their third game of the of the season to their arch nemesis, Utah, and they didn't have Cam Rising, right? So you've got uh, you know, backup quarterback at Utah putting a lot down at quarterback. Yeah. You know, and then they beat them 34 to 32. And again, it goes back to what we've said all season. USC can put up some points, but they can't play any defense. And it showed. So, uh, again, then it becomes a question of like, is there is there a coaching difference? Like, is somebody stealing signals at uh, Utah as well? Because <laughs> because somehow they've been able to put it together against, the, you know, USC three times in a row. <laughs> and uh, it's just interesting to see how that goes down because, you know, when you have the, the, the consensus number one quarterback in college football last year, and he loses to the same guy twice, and then he loses to his backup in the next year. There's something going on between Utah and USC. I think it might be a coaching advantage at this point because everybody knows that they're going to put up points. So it's just a matter of, of, of execution, I guess. And then, of course, the, the Golden Gophers edged Iowa in like the single worst offensive performance, I think, of the season, with the exception of the other game in the Pac-12 or the other games the, that Iowa has played. Yeah, true. <laughs> but uh, Minnesota wins the game 12 to 10. Like oh. who like like that's that's a baseball score, a high scoring baseball score. That's pretty rough if you are a fan of college football, particularly with all the wide open offenses that we have these days. Like guys can score at least 20 points, right? We would hope. Anyway, moving on to uh people that do not produce. We've already talked about Minnesota's or I'm sorry, Iowa's lack of offense this week, but Let's move on to Joe's Blue Falcon of the Week. Who you got, Joe? Oh, man. I took a little bit of a after-school special serious turn with this one. But, uh, you know, after what I saw Saturday night, it's time to put it out there. So, Sparty, I apologize, but listen up because this one affects you. The Michigan State Athletic Department is my Blue Falcon of the Week because this rivalry with my guys used to mean something until they started employing garbage coaches and let's be honest garbage human beings and i'm not going to go into their whole athletic department because we know what we're talking about and this one is dedicated to the student athletes i'm not going to get into the entire department uh there are plenty of kids who busted their ass to be college athletes and you throw millions of dollars at trash human beings with low morals and no character who leave them in the lurch with no guidance no team no future and no chance to compete so the Michigan State Athletic Department, you're my Blue Falcon of the Week. And uh, when you employ garbage people, you get garbage results. So come and get your T-shirts because you deserve to wear them for leaving your athletes out there to take a beating because your judgment is horrific. Ooh. Ouch. I'm sorry. I, I, I actually felt bad for Sparty. I do. There's a lot of kids that trusted in Mel. And, you know, I mean, we, we all know what he did. But there, there's a lot of other situations going on at Michigan State where they're like, oh, can you get us wins? How about you do a background check first? You know, because yeah. there's a lot of things at Michigan State that have gone on that have been pretty shady and, and past the borderline of horrific. Um, so I, I think they need a total overhaul and uh, bring George Perlis back, for crying out loud. He never got in trouble. Yeah, that's true. All right, so the topic of the week is, you know, does strength of schedule still matter? And I say that because, you know, back in the old BCS days, like, people would harp on that all the time. Like, oh, their schedule was weak, and these guys suck. That's how, like, you know, you had Michigan and Nebraska sharing a national championship, and you could argue that Nebraska's road to the national championship, or at least the shared title, was a little bit easier because they were in the Big 12 at the time. And so, you know, it, it makes me – 
it, it makes me think about that. And the other part of it is, is strength of schedule absolutely does matter. So if you're an Army fan right now and you're, you know, wailing and gnashing your teeth because the team is, you know, not where you perceive or think they should be, strength of schedule matters. So when you look at the service academies, Army has the toughest service academy schedule, all three. Air Force and Navy are literally ranked in the bottom third of college football as far as their schedules are concerned. And when you really pull down to Air Force, Air Force at one point, was like 129 of 133 college football schools. Depending on which, you know, depending on which uh, which ranking you look at, Air Force is either just over halfway or damn near at the bottom. You know, part of that is part of that is because they're in the Mountain West. But the other part of it is is like, hey, you do have some of your 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 uh, your out of conference scheduling that you know you can affect, but. Overall, when you're looking at it, and part of the reason why the cover for this week's episode is South Carolina, believe it or not, the University of South Carolina has the toughest strength of schedule this season, number one in the country. Believe it or not, number two is the Purdue Boilermakers, and it shows in their record. And then the only person that's kind of hanging around there that doesn't have a horrible record that uh, has a tough strength of schedule is Bama, you know, but they're Bama. So, like, with the outside exception, when you look at the top 10 of folks that have uh, tough schedules, majority of them are in the SEC. You've got one Pac-12 team, which is Utah. You've got uh, one Big 12 team or two Big 12 teams in the top 10 in Texas and Kansas State. And, again, their records don't reflect how difficult their schedule is. But when you look at, you know, strength of schedule overall, what are your thoughts on that? And, uh you know, do you think it still matters as we're going into a larger playoff uh, standing? Joe, how about you? Um, yeah, I, I hate to waffle on this question, but it is a yes and no, and it depends type of answer. Um, you spoke on the service academies. I'll speak on my Wolverines. Uh, I'm not crazy about the fact that they played a softer non-conference schedule, but they are going to go on the road and play the 10th ranked Penn State. Nittany Lions on the road to play Maryland and on the last game of the season welcome the number three Buckeyes who are undefeated into the big house so if you run that schedule undefeated then no I don't think that the non-conference matters all that much um when you face tough teams to me it only matters if you beat them um if strength of schedule math really mattered then Ohio State's win over Notre Dame wouldn't mean anything because Notre Dame got beat by Louisville who got beat by Pitt if you get what I'm saying just like and I'll go off script just a second but last year, Georgia was, you know, God's gift to football. You saw what Michigan did to Ohio State. Georgia barely, barely beat Ohio State by one point on a neutral field. And it very well could have been Michigan and Ohio State in the national title if Michigan didn't choke and throw two picks because it's against TCU. So strength of schedule to me only really matters at the end of the year because you don't know how good a team really is until they run that table. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's fair. Now, how about you? Um, I'm going to agree with Joe, but say it's about to become way less important depending on what conference you're in. So if you've got two teams in a BCS formula, then obviously your non-conference schedule is super important because you have to play as many teams as you possibly can that have a good record and hope that at the end of the season, you're one of the top two. And if you're, if there's four teams, then, you know, that's, it's basically the same thing, right? But if you're going to take eight or 12 or whatever, you really especially if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten, you really just want to get through your non-conference schedule unscathed because you know you're going to have strength of schedule based on the other play, the other uh, 
programs in your conference. So who cares? Like, why am I, if I'm, if I'm Tennessee and I know I got to play Georgia and Alabama and South Carolina, whoever, Florida, like, I'm not going to schedule tough games in my non-conference slate. Shoot. If I beat Georgia and Alabama, I'm all, I'm good. So that's, I, I don't, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because we, we've talked about whether or not army can afford to remain an independent with the, the, way that scheduling has happened but i've been wondering if it would be easier to get games because these teams would want to get an opponent that they think they can beat or maybe like we've got this year yeah sure you can get all the power five games you want and that that just makes it harder but at any rate my point is if you're in the big 10 or the sec you want those easy non-conference games now with the expanded playoff starting next year if you're in the pac-12 or whatever's left of it or the big 12 or who knows what in the ACC and maybe you're, you're still trying to make an argument. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I think both of you guys had made some really great points because I, I was thinking about it this way, you know, take Penn state, for example, after watching the Penn state, Ohio state game this weekend, Penn state is never going to be an elite team in the big 10 East. Not, they're not going to. And the reason why they're not going to is because they got to play Ohio state and Michigan every year. So that makes them a middle tier team before the season even kicks, right? But if you throw in UCLA, USC, and all the other teams that are starting to come in and we jumble up the conferences or throw, you know, throw divisions out completely like the SEC is thinking about doing, and then there's a balance because, you know, the computer is selecting your schedule every season, then it increases your chances. So, like, if I'm the, you know, imagine if Penn State played, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, UCLA, USC, you know, in October, in the cold, in Happy Valley. Like, that that's four wins as far as I'm concerned, you know, because they have a much tougher they, – they play defense, they have a good offense, and, you know, like I'm looking at teams like the, the Penn States of the world or like Missouri, right? Missouri comes to the SEC. Missouri's about to get washed out of the SEC. Like, going to the SEC was a good move five years ago, but now that you got Texas and Oklahoma, and if they continue to play like they're playing this season, like – you don't want to be Mizzou in yeah. the SEC with that schedule, you know. So it just it's just interesting to think about how it's going to look, and maybe strength of schedule will matter internally more so than it is college football writ large. Whereas in the BCS era, it literally was like, hey, I got to impress the computer. So if the computer says I had the tough schedule, then I have a tough schedule, and I think that's part of the reason why you see the growth of the the SP ratings and all the other S ratings that are out there from all the different sports prognosticators because everybody's trying to determine where the edge is, you know, at this point in college football, because with these big, huge broadcast, you know, conglomerates coming up next year, bottom line is, you know, if you win out, you should be good. But the last thing that we want to see is like a one or two loss team conference champion, not make the playoff, even though they were the best team in their conference. And I think that still, you know, goes back to the strength of schedule discussion as far as that concerned, but uh, we'll go one final thought and then uh, we'll move on to the next read. Am I reading now? Go for it. All right. Uh, friends, we've talked about Craig Oxane on this show before. He is the vice president of residential lending for Draper and Kramer in Chicago. Craig is a member of the West Point class of 1994 licensed to lend in all 50 states based out of Chicago. He is one of the biggest VA lenders in the country. Craig offers super competitive rates. It's going to give you the best deal he can. But why this is really important is because the mortgage process is freaking confusing. You got interest rates moving all over the place, trying to 
figure out when you want to lock in and you, there's two inches of paperwork you got to sign. Like it's a stressful time and you do not want to go with somebody who does not care about you at that point. You want to go with somebody you can call, ask questions, somebody that you can trust, like a West Point graduate. That's Craig. And this is how the West Point network functions, right? Craig is helping us stay in business here at As for Football and we're helping you get a better deal on the mortgage by introducing you to the very man you need to meet if you're trying to buy or refinance a house. Plus, Craig doesn't charge lending fees for veterans. It's a huge savings. It's like 1300 bucks. Like 1300 bucks. Get that money. Oh, Craig Oxane, Vice President of Res Residential Lending. Check it out. Uh, links on our website. Just go to asforfootball.com. Click the button. Fill out a little questionnaire. You'll be talking to Craig in a couple of hours. It's too easy. It, it's too easy. And I'm telling you, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough enough process, man. Let us help you through the hard parts. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, so let's move on to the games of the week. Again, like, I don't know what's going on with college football, but I love the fact that we got games on Tuesday. So if you guys are listening to this late, sorry, you're going to hear these a little bit late. But uh, either way, you start the, the matchups Tuesday, October the 24th with New Mexico State at uh, Louisiana Tech on CBS Sports Network. You've got Liberty at Western Kentucky. I stand corrected. I, I threw a little shade on uh, Liberty last week. They are undefeated going into this week against Western Kentucky. Uh, the Hilltoppers, that's a pretty challenging game just playing at home. Western Kentucky is usually better than their record shows year after year. So I think that'll be a good good test for the Flames. Uh, moving on to Wednesday night, we got Jacksonville State at FIU on the CBS Sports Network. That kicks at 7. UTEP and Sam Houston at 8 o'clock on ESPN2. That should be a good game. Battle of Texas, uh, that's pretty much a neutral field between both of those teams. Moving on to Thursday, which is scratching my head. You got Syracuse and Virginia Tech at 7.30 kick on ESPN. You got Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Georgia State and Georgia Southern, that should be a good game. You know, the Panthers are doing well. Georgia Southern, they're kind of middle of the pack. But, you know, Maction is always good, uh, allegedly. Uh, moving on to Friday night, you got Florida Atlantic against Charlotte. They kick at 7.30 on ESPN2. Then we're rolling into the Saturday slate. Uh, one of the interesting ones that'll be on for sure here locally is number 16, Duke at number 21, Louisville. That should be a good game. Louisville's kind of struggling towards the end of the season. Duke's coming off of a tough loss against FSU. Should be an interesting game uh, moving on. Uh, if Sam Hartman was still there, uh, noon kick Florida State versus Wake Forest, that would have been an interesting game. But uh, uh, surprisingly, though, if you haven't watched it, the Wake Forest backup is actually a halfway decent quarterback. But uh, I don't think he's going to have anything for uh, Florida State and the crew down there. You got Houston at uh, K-State on ESPN2. That kicks at noon. Uh, West Virginia still fighting for their life against UCF on uh Fox Sports 1 at noon. You've got Indiana and a nicked-up Penn State. Uh, Penn State's probably going to roll Indiana. I would definitely uh, do not take Indiana to cover because they're going to get smacked around in that game. I think Penn State's going to show up with a vengeance after losing a tough one to Ohio State. Moving down the line, uh, you've got USC and Texas A&M. That might be an interesting one on uh, ESPN. UConn against Boston College. Uh, that could be potentially be a trap game for BC just because, you know. I, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I think they're looking for revenge after last year. Oh, you think so? Yeah, I, no, I, I think they got it all the way. Uh, they, you think they had that one circle, circled on their calendar? So, I mean, after losing to UConn last year? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Well, and, and and like you said, you know, Boston College is starting to pick up. So if anybody's guess yeah. as to how that game is going to go, you got uh, UMass at Army kicking at the CBS Sports Network. And, you know, the cadets are at home against a very bad team. Uh, like, Plus let's just hope that no rain, 70 degrees. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes a huge difference, unfortunately. Yeah, it's good. It's good football weather for the Army team. Uh, I, Again, like we could dive deeper into that, but I think the strength of schedule is hurting them for sure. But the other part of it is, is like, doggone it, you got a new offense and you're just trying to find, you know, put the pieces in place and you have to do it in real time because it's a football season. So that's, that's the end of that. You got number six, Oklahoma taking on Kansas. Kansas, you know, I think they've only lost two games. Oklahoma barely got past USF, which... I had me scratch my head because I or UCF. I I don't understand that. Kansas may sneak in there and give them a black eye early, but I I think you know second half the the skill of the depth chart will take over. You got Oregon at Utah kicking at three thirty on Fox. That's going to be a great game given the way that uh, Utah Utah has played the past couple of weeks and Oregon. Like again, Ducks never let me down. They'll drop another one before the end of the season. You've got Southern Miss at App State. Again, if you got ESPN Plus, watch App State games because App State games are always exciting. Uh, moving on, you got BYU at Texas. That should be an interesting contest. That's a that's a Big 12 matchup this year. That will be an out of conference matchup next year. Uh, you've got Pitt at Notre Dame. I don't know, man. Like Notre Dame has been super, super inconsistent this year. Pitt has been able to rise to the occasion, especially after what they did to Louisville. Can they do it again? You know, we'll see if uh, they've got some some skills coming up. Then you got number one Georgia versus Florida in Jacksonville. All right, I'm going to say this, and I think anybody that's a Tennessee fan or anybody that watches college football in the SEC knows for a fact that going into Jacksonville is a trap game. Period. If you are playing in the swamp and you are undefeated, you need to be on your A game. Georgia is walking in, you know, minus. Brock Bowers, who is consistent, who that's, that's a big loss. Yeah, it's consistent. People, people hated on me when I said he deserved to win the Heisman or at least to be in the discussion. But without him, they're a different offense. Yeah, for sure. And he's out for at least four to six weeks, so he may not even you know be back towards that for the SEC championship, depending on how his recovery goes. I'm and hoping again, he comes back for the the draft combine just in case Michigan has to play them. <laughs> nice but for sure but for sure I, I mean georgia going into georgia and florida like that's a good 90s matchup that everybody used to get excited about but there's something about sec teams that have great records going into jacksonville i hear they have a hell of a tgi fridays but uh i think i, I think georgia's got their work cut out for them plus because they're short of weapon man brock bowers is hands down the best tight end in college football, maybe the best player. And I would, you know, absolutely agree with Dano on that. You've got number 18, USC against Cal. That's a Pac-12, four o'clock kick. I mean, again, the Pac-12 is trying to get eyes on them because they're having earlier kicks during the during the day. But, uh, you know, at this point, nobody cares about Caleb Williams. Like, he isn't also ran, although he has all, he is the top touchdown throwing quarterback in college football. He also has three losses as, as a team. So complimentary football being what it is, I don't know if his chances of winning the Heisman are still there. You got two number twenty-three Tulane at Rice. You got uh, Tennessee at Kentucky. That's uh, two teams that like start out the gates great and then struggled a little bit and then are back at it. Washington against Stanford. This is a trap game. 
based off of how Stanford has been playing the last month, they've been up one, they've been down one, they lost last week, so they're going to be up for Washington. And the way that Washington played against Arizona State, it opens the door for something crazy to happen at Stanford. That's a 7 o'clock kick. You've got Air Force at Colorado State. I mean, again, it's Colorado State. at Ram Fowler's trophy game. They got a trophy for that game. Yeah. Well, it's because they're from Colorado. It's probably got weed stuck inside the, the pedestal of the, <laughs> of the trophy for uh, Colorado State. Least, hadn't won that thing lately. Yeah, at least for the Colorado State fans. And then you got the Ohio State at Wisconsin. You got former defensive coordinator Luke and interim head coach taking on his old team at Ohio State. Like, Wisconsin is actually starting to look good. They've strung together a couple wins. I don't think they've got enough juice to, to to run all over Ohio State. This would be a good matchup to check out that run defense for Ohio State because, as always, like, if you are running back in high school, if you don't want to go to Army and run in the, you know, some variation of the option, go to Wisconsin because Wisconsin always has a five-star running back. Like, that is guaranteed that they're going to have – a bell cow in their backfield. Uh, you got Vanderbilt at Old Miss. Oof, that's going to be a slaughter. You know, Lane Kiffin's going to whip out something uh, interesting. We're going to see if Colorado can uh, switch places with UCLA and try and bump them out of the 25 spot in a close Pac-10 matchup. You got North Carolina against Georgia Tech. That game was mildly interesting last week. It's more interesting this week since UNC lost their game. And uh, finally, we'll wrap up the slate with Oregon State at Arizona. Surprisingly, because Arizona is playing pretty doggone good football right now. So we'll see what's up. But uh, we'll move into weekly locks. You guys give us a rundown of uh, what you guys picked and then tell us what else you're watching. Weekly locks. Dano, how about you? Well, one and two with my picks from the show last week, two and three uh, on Patreon. Liberty won, but didn't cover against a bad middle Tennessee State team, which is very frustrating. We talked about JMU, did cover because they are awesome. Air Force had it until the last 50 seconds of the game, gave up that long pass in garbage time. I just don't understand anything about that. And uh, on Patreon, I took Boston College plus four and a half at Georgia Tech, and I felt smart about that. This week, I am taking Syracuse plus three at Virginia Tech. I don't necessarily think the Orange are good, but saying that they won't make a bowl game after that start sounds insane, and Tech is one of the worst teams they're going to play over the rest of that season. Um, and this is probably an idiotic thing to do, but Army minus 10 versus UMass. Like, I feel like we've beat this to death, but three Power 5 teams plus the Sun Belt champions this year in the last four games doesn't necessarily tell you that they are or aren't good. We'll see what Army looks like against UMass. Finally, Marshall minus 3.5 at Coastal Carolina. Grayson McCall is a very important player on that Coastal Carolina offense, and without him, they are not going to be the same team. So I don't know if I feel great about that pick, but I don't like Coastal Carolina chances without Grayson McCall. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that hit, man. That was pretty brutal. I mean, like, he got he got blasted while he was trying to slide, you know, and, and I get it. It's all about contact. It's a contact sport. I get it. But he got whopped. And so I don't know how long he's going to be out. He's probably – Definitely going through some concussion protocols, maybe back in a week or two, but uh it looks pretty bad. I mean, he was he was he was unconscious after the hit. He was conscious when they wheeled him off. So, you know, he's giving a thumbs up to the crowd and everything else. So uh hopefully, you know, he will recover and come back. But uh, you know, you don't want to make a business decision, man. He he could be holding a clipboard in the NFL. You don't need to be getting blasted by Sunbelt DBs who aren't even going to sniff a freaking pro day. 
Yeah. I, I mean, at, at some point you got to make a decision, particularly after a hit like that. I think if it would have been something minor, you know, no big deal, but like you got KO'd basically. So you got some something to think about. Joe, how about you? Yeah, unfortunately, I went two and two this last week uh, as Oklahoma got caught slipping by UCF and Iowa got beat by Minnesota. I uh, learned my lesson there. Um, now, Mizzou covered against South Carolina and Ole Miss covered against Auburn, but I'm definitely going to do better this week. Uh, first things first, you guys are going to be thinking, what? But I'm taking North Texas at home plus seven and a half against Memphis. North Texas wow, team to take lightly, and I think that they have a chance to win that game outright. So uh, next, I'm taking the Cowboys of Wyoming plus five at a not-so-good Boise State team on the road. Um, I just like the way this team plays. They keep games close, and I don't think much of Boise State. Then you guys can't take my stripes for this one, but I'm going to take the Zoomies minus 11 against a lowly Colorado State team. I think it might be minus 12, but I think they win that game by three scores. Uh, um, and I do feel a little guilty about this one, but I'm still going to do it anyways. I'm taking Minnesota at home, coming off a big win, minus seven against the Spartans because Michigan State's just terrible. Yeah, that's fair. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't think Sparty is going to win any more games for sure. They're, like I feel bad for you, but if the bet cashes, that's fair. Fair, fair play, Joe. Fair play. All right, so I went one and two last week. It took the the both Buckeyes and Oklahoma one, but their offenses were not as great as planned. Hit on USC and Utah. I'm gonna. Dude, I'm going to keep riding this train, man. It's been paying off. So USC at Cal uh, over 67 and a half. I'm taking that. That's pretty easy. You know, they've averaged, you know, 64, 65 points a game for the last six outings for uh, for USC. I, I mean, Caleb Williams will throw three touchdowns. He'll run one in, and then they'll still lose the game. Like, like that's, that's just how it's been going for them. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, Oregon at Utah plus seven. Take Utah to cover. I think this game will be decided by a field goal or less. Uh, the trend is with Oregon is like their coach is very aggressive. So if it comes down to like kicking or going after the, the score, he's going to go after the score. And that's what bit him in the butt against uh, Washington. So I, I, I see something I like that with Oregon. So I think, uh, you know, take Utah to cover plus seven, if not win outright, you know, you know me, I'm always going to hang a shingle on the team that's playing uh, Oregon just because Oregon tends to drop more than one. They're playing then, good defense. Yeah, they are playing good defense. So it, it will be a low scoring game, but I think, you know, the difference will be a, a field goal and not anything more than that. All right. So we got Washington and Stanford uh, take Stanford to cover 25 and a half. I think this is a trap game for sure. For, for Washington, I don't think 26 and a half, that's a bit much. I mean, if if Washington blew the doors off of Arizona this week, then I would have said, like, stay away from that pick because I think they're going to they're gonna roll. But look, man, Stanford, they snuck up on uh, they snuck up on CU. They got crushed by UCLA, so they're back on the upswing. They've been riding that sine wave all season long. So I think uh, they're going to bounce back because that's what they're moving about. You win that bet. So, yeah, yeah. So Washington has to win big. Yeah, Washington has to blow them out in order to 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 beat that. So I, that's why I'm taking uh, plus twenty six and a half, and they're at home. So Stanford, the hook gives them like more than likely what will happen is they'll win by twenty seven, and that freaking hook's gonna bite me in the ass. But we'll see. <laughs> Moving on to the bandwagon fantasy sports update, like 
crazy weekend this weekend. Like it was getting tight at the top, and then all of a sudden Matt just pulled away again. Like he's he's making some great exchanges in the winning moments. Dano is in second place with ninety points. Uh, I'm in third points or third place, and things are starting to get good all throughout the weekend. I was watching, you know, everybody jump in position. Uh, I'm digging this bandwagon fantasy sports. It's kind of fun. Yeah, uh, the only are. problem is I'm almost out of swaps. Like I've got five swaps or something crazy like that for the rest of the season. So, oh wow, I, I'm uh, I'm literally just riding what I got from here on out. Oh, you got to ride the yeah the exchanges. I I only would do like one or two a week. I haven't made any massive changes just yet. But uh, well, I I sold out and made ten points in week zero. So then I had to you know dump out of UMass <laughs> and a bunch of other teams, obviously. But yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's been fun so far, and we we thank Alan for for turning us on to it, and we'll continue to to run that one. Uh, hey, we're at week nine. Can you believe it? Holy smokes, this season has gone by so doggone fast, and it's hard to believe that uh, we've got this much college football already in the rearview mirror. You know, we're only a couple weeks out, and uh, believe it or not, next week we're gonna get the first announcement of who's going to be the initial uh, standing top six for the college football playoff hmm. i don't i don't foresee any movement anything crazy i expect michigan and georgia to be one and two maybe florida state as number three in ohio state four but you know that's that's semantics at this point you know until one of those teams loses or gets into a tough contest i think really the 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 key billets that you're looking at is who's who's five and six because those are the folks that are in striking distance if one of these other major teams slip up uh, who would you guys like to see in the in the playoff? And we'll wrap the show with that. You know, I'm personally, you know, I would like to see the top four teams. But is there any dark horses or anybody that you guys are thinking of that uh, are not so far ranked that we should be looking at? I'd like to see Washington get in there. Top four conference champions. Top four conference that hard. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, but. You know that uh, college football sports writers always make it harder than they Yeah, are. I mean, they, they take something that should be simple and turn it into a calculus assignment. Yeah, for sure. I know, I'm an engineer. I know exactly how that works. Yeah, I would yeah. I would really I would really like to see uh, I would like to see Uga take on probably Washington and then I don't want to see Michigan we, and Ohio. I, I want I, I, I personally I want to see Michigan play Georgia this year more than I want to see Michigan play Ohio State because I think we're better. I do. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see the nightmare scenario of you know Ohio State or Michigan dropping one game and then uh, popping into the playoff as a one loss team. Uh, if if there's a one loss, Michigan team, wants Georgia. Yeah, I, they remember what happened a couple of years ago. They want them. Yeah, which is fair, and like I said, I think I think that the slate will will settle up because again, there's some head-to-head matchups that could be that could be damaging to all these teams in the top four. I mean, you still got Florida, Florida State, still got Ohio State, Michigan. You still got you know, you got UGA taking on Florida, and then they still got to play Bama too. So I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy season. And uh, so so I'm looking at this right now. Bama is five and zero in the conference, seven and one overall. So they could very much still make this thing work, even though it's been a crazy season. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And they hold the keys to their, they, they hold the keys. If they went out, they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Bam, if Bama no runs the right, they can't get in. If they went out, they, they go. 
Yeah, Bama runs Bama runs the rest of the table because of their strength of schedule. They are the right pick from yeah. the SEC. Like if they win the SEC championship, it's a no brainer. You know, I don't. Matter of fact, Michigan has to run the table to get in because of that non conference. They yeah. can't have a loss. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's I, I think that's the thing that like as much as everybody hates it, you know, if. Fair. But what I'm saying is, if if it comes down to it, if you have a ten to one Michigan or you know eleven to one Michigan or eleven to one Ohio State, who goes in? Because I think you know everybody likes to see the Big Ten and the SEC in the in the playoff. Like I think that's a no brainer. I think it's been an anomaly when they tossed in TCU and uh, Cincinnati. You know, I mean that that was that was like hey, we're just that's appeasement for college football writ large. <laughs> I would you know? like to see those teams both have one loss at the end of the regular season, though. I would. Yeah. I think yeah. they're. I think the only loss either one of those teams are going to get are against each other, and they'll be undefeated when they meet. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, well, I, I I think an undefeated November for Ohio State and Michigan is quite possible until the end. You know, one of those two, somebody's always got to go in the game, which will be fine. But uh, I think, you know, the one thing that Oklahoma has to worry about is they got to worry about Bedlam. Like, that's their next big game, and that could take them out for sure because Oklahoma State always played a lot. I mean, I know it's a rivalry game, but come on, man. Oklahoma State has not been good this season. Oklahoma State is so unbelievably up and down this year. They've they've come out and looked like two different teams in two different weeks. So, but then again, so has Oklahoma. Yeah. They, well, then it, it just so it like it it the 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 sharks are going to lean towards Oklahoma hard on that one. But yeah. crazier things haven't happened. Yeah, well, it, I mean, the one thing that you don't want to have have is, uh, like, some team go whistling past the graveyard, you know, like, ooh, I'm going to make it out of here without my rivalry game. Because, again, it's been I, put seven players off one offense in the NFL, and that offense lost to App State. So, crazier things have happened. <laughs> they beat Tim Tebow and Percy Harbin and Dallas Baker in their last game that year that they lost to App State. Same year. That's true, though. Yeah, college crazy. Well, so we love it. Yeah, and that's why we watch the game, folks. But anyway, this has been the College Football Roundtable. I'm your host, Rob, the Angry Colonel, calling off Fayetteville, North Carolina. We've got Tano Ikebesa out of Coastal Connecticut and Trigger Joe from the home of the big house. And we will see you guys next week. Be your mass. Be them. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Tune in next week as the AFF team brings you more hot takes and college football analysis. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BuyerBarn.com. BuyerBarn.com is the world's first platform to perform online auctions and sales for farm animals. BuyerBarn.com is dedicated to helping small farmers in America and are extending a special discount to military veterans who want to help in the revolution of the family farm. Go to BuyerBarn.com forward slash military. That's BuyerBarn.com, B-Y-R-E-B-A-R-N.com to learn more and to get started or email them at info at BuyerBarn.com. Thanks again for listening to As for Football, College Football Roundtable, and as always, Beat Navy.